0: God, we love you today. We thank you for your word. We pray that you'd speak to us concerning your coming. And we pray that we would receive it and our hearts would be transformed by your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen Amen. Amen. and amen. Amen. You may be seated. How many are anticipating a wonderful Christmas? Amen? Amen? Amen. How many of you have uh, thoughts... Maybe expectations of what you're going to get. Maybe there's been a little stirring in the household. You've heard some whispers. You've heard it through the grapevine. Your anticipation level has, has risen. There might be something in their driveway with a bow on it. Amen. A guy named Jared might come by and give you something. We are people that have anticipations and we have expectations. Isn't it true? It's funny how when when you're growing up and think about when you were in high school, how you wanted your independence and you you just couldn't wait to get your driver's license. Remember that? When I got my driver's license, it was the first week and I got a ticket. (laughs) It was a nice stretch of land, a nice road. We're uh, going to church. That I knew that I would participate in breaking the law, feeling the thrill of uh, an excitement of speed, and I stepped my foot down on the pedal, and I was making my way to 70 miles per hour, and the lights came on. I didn't even get there. The lights came on on the side, and I was pulled over. And the Lord said, "Dummy," and I said, "Thank you, Lord." We all have anticipations and expectations. It seems like as human beings, we're always looking for the next thing. Isn't it true? We're always looking for maybe that next, that, that someone or that something to fill the void and the gap and bring us fulfillment and satisfaction. It's just a part of life. And the funny thing is, is even if your life is going bad and you're expecting good things, even when it's going great, you're expecting greater things. There's something built within the human heart to anticipate and to expect Something that will fulfill us and that will give us meaning and purpose in this life. God has ordained those yearnings, those cravings, that anticipation and an expectation that our hearts will come to fulfillment and satisfaction. He's created that within us. And it's only our anticipations and our expectations are met and fulfilled when we come to know Jesus Christ and him alone. Amen? Amen? Amen anticipation is an awesome thing we anticipate things way out in the future we anticipate something that will happen today but here's the thing when our anticipations and expectations don't get fulfilled there's a thing called in life i don't know if you've ever experienced it called frustration (laughs) have you ever experienced that Yeah, we don't experience frustration, do we? We're Christians, for for Pete's sake. Someone had said that all frustrations are birthed out of unmet expectations. You ever put expectations on someone that you're in a relationship with and they fail you? Frustrated. You just want to choke them because they didn't meet up. To your expectations and anticipations. Materialism, things that we get, uh, leisure time, entertainment time, never, never really satisfy, but they kind of just kick us like a can down the road, amen, until the next thing that maybe stirs us or thrills us. It's funny, because we live in a culture of thrill-seekers and extreme nutcases that go out of their way to experience this, this high and this adrenaline because of maybe boredom in life or things of that nature. See, here's the thing. When you're bored in life, it means that you're not living up to the presence and the purpose of God in your life. My kids say, I'm bored, I'm bored, I'm bored. Go to Jesus. (laughs) Jesus is the answer. You know, there's been a study out that uh, kids are less happy when they have too many toys. Steph and I have kind of knowing that not because we knew the study but because we didn't buy them toys a, a lot but isn't it true when we have too many things around us that keep our focus from being uh, in relationships and enjoying each other we get knocked down and tied up with the the adrenaline of life and we're frustrated even as adults isn't it true sometimes we have too many toys We go from one uh, experience of entertainment or leisure to the next. You ever go through a week and you're like, man, Saturday, I'm just going to, I'm going to just chill. I'm going to drink coffee and I'm going to chill. I'm going to watch movies. I'm going to watch football. And then something happens in church where somebody needs some help. Somebody either has to move or something has to be taken care of. And you're called upon to serve. And you're like, oh <laughs> No! And God is saying, Go, love, give, serve, and worship me. Amen? See, our fulfillment is not in rest or relaxation. It's not in leisure. It's not in, in entertainment. We're blessed by all those things. Don't get me wrong. I'm the first person I like to be entertained, and I like to have times of leisure. But your fulfillment and your purpose in, in God this morning is that you would live your life purposefully for the child that came, the promise of a Savior, Jesus Christ. And if you're bored today, He's got your number. And he wants to have a conversation with you about how you can be involved in his kingdom and live your life for him. This whole season is built on anticipation. Do you know that every year when my family asks me, what do you want for Christmas? I say this, love, joy, and peace. (laughs) That's all I need and that's all I want. Maybe some underwear every once in a while and some (laughs) socks. I don't need any ties because I don't really wear ties too much. Um, Some of you heard this story. One year I changed it up and I said, the kids asked me, I want love, joy, peace, and (laughs) $1,000. Steph's parents asked the kids what daddy wants for Christmas. And they said, daddy wants love, joy, and peace and (laughs) $1,000. And guess what I got? Love, joy, and peace, and $1,000. Isn't that something? Yeah. Amen? <laughs> well, this is the thing. See, the, the next year, I asked for love, joy, and peace, and $10,000. I really did. But guess what? I didn't, I didn't get it. Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. They were separated from God. God came down to the garden and said, where is everybody? I want to have intimate fellowship with you like we used to. And Adam and Eve were hiding because of their shame and of their guilt and of their condemnation. Even before their sin, God instituted a plan. See, God is, a, is, a, is an action God. Amen. He's always planning ahead. He's always anticipating and expecting to move on our behalf to show himself strong for us. And even before the sin of the world came in, the Bible says that Jesus Christ was the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. God knew. And he anticipated and expected that he would one day come as a man. As a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, live his life, sinless life. Die, be buried, raised from the the dead so that we could have life and have it more abundantly. Amen? Promise of a Savior. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15 says this. I will cause hostility between you and the woman, speaking to the serpent, speaking to Satan, and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head, and you will strike his heel. I love that picture. So what's the choice? Heel or head? See, back in the old days, in the Old Testament, in those days, a king that just ravished the enemy would bring the king the ruler of the opposition, up in front of the people. And he would stand with his sword lifted up and put his foot on the neck of the enemy. And the people would rejoice. And they would yell with excitement. And the king would be excited and step down even further. The Bible says that the Lord, the promise of the Savior, has come to destroy, what did Jesus say? The works of the enemy. Amen? And the work of the enemy is that he would keep your eyes off of your purpose and your destiny in God, off of the love of God, off of the grace of God, keep you from not fearing God, not living your life for God. But he would deter you and turn you away to other things where your anticipation and expectations would be in someone or something or even some ministry some action more than the very son of god and the king of kings and the lord of lords that's his work the only authority that you can give to satan and his work over your life is that you listen to him and you believe him because the only thing that he has for your life is deceit and lies And when you have a mindset around listening to the enemy of your soul, you will live under the destructive element of sin and shame and guilt and darkness, pain and adversity. And Jesus came, the Bible says, to free us from that. Amen? Genesis 12 speaks about that through the offspring of Adam and Eve will come a promised one, that will bless the families of the earth isn't that something he will bless the families of the earth every tribe every nation every tongue he wants to bless with his presence and bless with him being the king of their of their lives as you look to your family now i'm reminded of the philippian jailer right The disciples were singing praises to God. God rattled the cages and let everybody out. And the jailer said, this is not good. He was going to fall on his sword, but he said, what must I do to be saved, right? And it was told to him, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved and your household. I don't know, theologically, okay, if we claim that as a promise. But you know what? I do. And every family in here should claim it as a promise that your loved ones will come to know Christ. It's His will, it's His purpose, it's His destiny. He will bless the families of the earth. May your family be blessed today. May your family be blessed and know the salvation of the Lord, the promised one, our Savior, and his light that he gives. When I was going with uh, Stephanie, we just celebrated 17 years. 17 years. <laughs> 17... <laughs> Somebody smack him back then. <laughs> no, no, you know what? It's been, it's been long... It's been wonderful, it's been exciting, <laughs> it's been thrilling, and you know what, it's been a wonderful, wonderful relationship of each of us turning our hearts to the Lord, being conformed to the image of Christ, so that we could love one another greater. See, he blesses the families. As each of us focus on God, we draw closer to one another, and we realize what true love is, amen? Amen. It's not anticipating that my wife will give me everything that I need. I learned that a long time ago. That's not going to happen. And she learned the same thing about me. But we anticipate and expect, through the grace and the love of God, that I will pour out my heart and my very life for her because of the overflow of Christ's love and ministry in my heart. With God's love flowing out of your heart and life, you can love the unlovely. Amen? And you can die for your enemy because of the great love of Jesus Christ. Not saying you're my enemy, hon. I love you. Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14 says, All right then, the Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means, let's say it together. God is with us. Emmanuel, one more time. God is with us. By the time this child is old enough to choose what is right and reject what is wrong, he will be eating curds and honey, yogurt and honey. Isaiah chapter 53 speaks of the promised Savior as a suffering servant and as the substitute for our sin and our shame, and he suffered death and brutality and humiliation. Let's flip over to Isaiah chapter 53. How many know that Jesus didn't grow up in Beverly Hills, right? Jesus grew up in Nazareth, a couple of hundred, 300, 400 people. Everybody said about Nazareth, what good can come out of Nazareth, right? And you know what, when uh, Steph and I were looking to move to Lackawanna, everybody was speaking the Bible to us. What good can come out of Lackawanna? Why are you moving there, right? Isaiah chapter 53, who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him. And looked the other way. He was despised. And we did not care. That's our Savior. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried, it was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion and crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole, he was whipped so we could be healed all of us like sheep have gone astray come on there's none righteous no not one we have left god's paths to follow our own yet the lord laid on him the sins of us all he was oppressed and treated harshly yet he never said a word he was led like a lamb to the slaughter and as sheep is silent before the shearers he did not open his mouth unjustly condemned he was led away no one cared that he died without descendants That his life was cut short in midstream, but he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone, but he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave, but it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, for he will hear, bear all their sins. I will give him the honor of a victorious soldier because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among the rebels. He bore the sins of many and interceded for rebels. And that's our suffering servant Savior, our substitute. Amen? The promised Savior. From before the eons of time, God knew that he would send his son and Jesus would come. He knew exactly what he had to suffer. In the garden of Gethsemane, he cried out, Lord, I don't want to go through this. If there is a chance that this cup will pass. God said there's not a chance and he said not my will but your will be done amen what a great savior suffering servant we have his anticipation and expectation for us from before time began he was just waiting he was waiting to love waiting to serve waiting to give, waiting to die. He set his face as a flint before the cross. And he said, I have this this job to do, to rescue and to save and to transfer my loved ones from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. The promised Savior from Genesis to Malachi. The stories told through prophet, priests, and kings. And not too many kings. But they prophesied and spoke of a Savior that would come. Chap- Hebrews chapter 11 speaks of those that died and suffered. And were killed. For the promise that would come. And now we look back. 2,000 years to the promise that was fulfilled on Calvary. Amen? 2,000 years ago when Jesus conquered sin and death and the grave. And through faith in his name, we get our eyes off of the drudgery of this life. We get our eyes off of the dissatisfaction and the unfulfillment we get our eyes off of anticipating something, expecting something down the road to satisfy the longings and the, and the yearnings of our heart. We come to Jesus and all of our anticipations and expectations are fulfilled in Christ. Amen. Now, what are you waiting for? You waiting to go golfing lucky? <laughs> Amen. Amen. What are you waiting for? There's the promise. Amen. There's the promise. We live our lives for the purpose and the presence of God. Jesus said, occupy, right? Do the thing that you're called to do until I call you home and be with me forever and ever. The Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who endured the cross, scorning its shame sat down at the right hand of God. The Father is interceding for us right now. We look to Jesus. Amen? Amen. You can't find any satisfaction in anything of this world, friends. Your satisfaction is in Jesus and Jesus alone. These wonderful songs that we sing this morning about Jesus. The beauty and the splendor of, a, of the Holy Spirit here manifesting the grace and the splendor and the majesty of Jesus Christ himself. It is heaven come down and glory has filled our hearts. Relish those times. Relish the presence of the Lord in your heart and life. Your heart has this remnant, this leftover residue of our sinful nature. Amen? And sometimes we feed that residue, and that residue becomes our reservoir of pain and agony in our life when we leave, live our life according to our sinful nature. The Bible says we're not obligated to that anymore. That bill was paid. Now go and live free according to the power of the Holy Spirit in your heart and life. Let me ask you something. What are you anticipating that Jesus Christ will do in you and with you and for you? this Christmas? What are you anticipating and expecting that God will do in you and with you and for you this Christmas season? See, the Savior has defeated the enemy. The Savior has provided his presence through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Savior has provided guidance through the word of God, the living word of God. What are you anticipating the God of the universe who is your Redeemer and your Savior to do with you and for you and in you? What are you anticipating? It really comes down to stepping out of the whirlwind of this season, right? You know? I mean, I, I, I love Christmas trees. I love the decor. I love how Steph has decorated the house. I love the lights. There's an anticipation and a, and a, and a, a spirit about <laughs> Christmas that flows in even to the ungodly and the unbelievers. There's a, there's a sense of anticipation and, and giving But you know what? This is the most loneliest time for some folk because there's all all this hoorah and there's not the reality of intimacy, the reality of family. See, we watch TV with horse-drawn sleds and we watch TV with fireplaces and beautiful, beautiful tables filled with family members in wonderful dress, Christmas sweaters that are looking... At each other with wonderful, unconditional love. But that's not what happens at a lot of families, is it? So, what are you anticipating that God will do with you and through you and in you and for you this Christmas season to spread the news of a promised Savior that can set people free? I'm believing family members will come to know Christ. I'm believing that people are held in bondage. We'll step out of the darkness and into the light. We'll know the truth and the truth will set them, finally, set them free. What are you anticipating? What are you going after, right? How are you following hard after God? I remember I was playing football. I was a senior. I was outside linebacker. And there was this junior, junior football player trying to take my position. That's a no-no. I pursued him. We had to run around the whole school. And I would run in lockstep right behind him, breathing on him the whole way. And he'd be like, this guy's nuts. Right, right when we turned the corner where all the coaches were looking. That's when I'd shove him aside and I would pursue my coach and show him that I'm the one for that position. This loser junior is not. I said that to say this. (laughs) How are you pursuing your position in God? You have to pursue it. You have to go after it. There's suffering. There's pain. There's adversity. But you know what? At the end of the line, you're in the starting position and you're kicking some butt on the field. Amen? Let's pursue God with everything that we have. Let's come out and fellowship. The Bible says when in the last days, when the Lord will return, when we see that the Savior is coming, we know that, we don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together, we gather together, amen? As a body, as a family, we encourage one another, we, we listen to the word of God, we grow in grace and in the power and in the knowledge of the Lord with everything that we have, because you know what? We have to do this together. We have to link arms together. Follow hard after God, and together we will anticipate and expect the move and the sway and the will of God for our lives, for our families, and for our church. Let's anticipate, God, that he will move in our life, that he'll root out the darkness. And like that bright star that was in the universe, we would arise and shine for the glory of the Lord has come. Maybe you might need to arise and come forward and tell God, you know what? I've been anticipating and expecting harm and fear and anxiety. And I've been expecting that I will lose the battle, but I'm turning my eyes upon you today and I'm expecting that you will see me through You'll never leave me nor forsake me. The promised Savior, our promised Lord, and our promised God. The Bible says that all the promises of God are, King James Version, yea and amen in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen? He fulfilled them, and we just say amen. We believe Him. What do you believe in God for in your life? What are you anticipating God to do? What are you expecting God to do? And you're going to follow hard after that with everything that you have and everything that you are. You will not let something get in your way of winning the victory, enduring until the end, and solidifying your heart and your ministry in Christ Jesus today. (laughs) Galilee was the entranceway of all the armies that have ever conquered Israel came through Galilee. People in Galilee were hard-pressed. They weren't filled with joy. It was a land of darkness. It was a land of despair. It was a land that knew war. It was a land that knew death. It was a land that over over the years knew the sound of, of horses' hoofs and soldiers' boots. The promise of the Messiah said, your darkness is no longer. The light has come. And I will set you free from oppression. And I will set you free to live in the light of the glory of the face of Jesus Christ forever and ever. I'm anticipating God to reveal himself in my life in a greater way. Sometimes that means telling me uh, in certain areas of my life, I have to change. Are you willing to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart and life and tell you, you know what? This has got to change and I'm the only one that can do it. Right. I'll manage this for you, but you got to turn it over and you got to give it to me. It's not about condemnation, it's about conviction, amen? The conviction of the Holy Spirit, when it comes upon you, there is freedom and joy. Because right right when he's telling you that you're an idiot and a jerk, he's embracing you and he's infusing the power of the Holy Spirit to change you. And you walk away together knowing that you're changed by the power of the Holy Ghost.